Hello, fellow songwriters, and welcome to the eighth episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast, where we talk to notable artists about their songwriting process. I'm your host, Trey Xavier, and today we're going to be talking to the mastermind, Aryan Anthony Lucasin of Arion and Star One, about the new Star One album, Revel in Time. Today's episode is sponsored by the amazing DistroKid, the best way to get your music on the internet, and their hyperfollow feature. Hyperfollow is a completely free and awesomely powerful promotional tool for anyone using DistroKid. It is the one-stop shop for all the links to streaming services and stores for your DistroKid release. Today, it's a must-have one link that leads to your music on all streaming services. This is the link that you give to people when they ask where they can hear your band. You can customize your Hyperfollow page to include your social media pages as well as your releases. As soon as your new release goes live on its release date, your Hyperfollow page will automatically update to include links to all the streaming services. Your Hyperfollow link never changes and you will never have to update your marketing copy or social media posts. You can find your Hyperfollow link on your DistroKid album page, and this is a simple tool that all artists should be using. Head over to distrokid.com VIP GG for 7% off your first year of DistroKid. Please give a warm welcome to my guest, Aryan Anthony Lucasin. Hi, Trey. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. All right. Hi. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No problem, man. My pleasure, really. I've been such a huge fan for so long. Um, I'm, I'm very excited to have you on and for us to have matching uh, videos like this. The, the, it looks like you're just standing in the next room. It looks like the color just keeps <laughs> I, going. I know. Like I could I just know, reach like, into your... <laughs> I know. Is it, is it, is it like pink? Uh, pink? Uh, it's like purple. Deep, let's say deep purple or pink Floyd. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's a, it, kind of a magenta thingy. Like in the room, it's it's kind of red-ish. But okay, um, okay. But it looks. It's just. It's just too. It's too perfect. What are the chances? Yeah, yeah. Well, I did a couple of interviews, and my girlfriend saw it, and she was like, "That was really boring." You know, let's 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 make it a bit more interesting. So she got these lights. She's a photographer, mm. and um, yeah, I'm the hippie. You know, so this yeah. totally fits the hippie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it uh, it's a good look. She understands the importance of of lighting and how it's. Oh Everything. yes! Oh yes! You don't yeah, notice yeah. You it until it's bad. You won't see my wrinkles here with the red light here, so that's good. Oh, I don't know, man. You uh... ten years disappear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you must have the uh, that feature on uh, Zoom. I I definitely get that to get that going on. You know the like, what is it like? It just says like improve my appearance or something like. Oh whoa whoa! It's literally yeah. like make me look better and younger and pretty and I'm okay. Oh. I gotta find it. Well, if that's an option. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna tell like just the sh- hopefully not too long of a g- gushy fangirl story. So I first discovered your music when I was 16 in Germany on my on a class trip to Germany, and I went into one of these huge record stores that they had at the time, stories and stories of CDs, and. They had like a whole floor of metal stuff, and I'd never seen that before. I know. I've, I've been there. I've been, we, we went there with the record company. We could each pick five albums. I oh still remember God. that. <laughs> it, what was it called? Saturn or something? I don't remember. Could be. Could, it, was, oh, it was 
It, I mean, it was 20 years ago now. I, oh, uh, my, yeah, I, for me too. For me, it was heaven, you know. We could pick so five cool. albums. It was like, whoa, you know. <laughs> How do I pick five out of... Yeah, we didn't yeah. have anything like that. They had So they had these little, like, Discman setups so you could go and, like, listen to an album. And I'm just okay, wandering okay, around. Okay. And I saw the yeah, artwork. Yeah, yeah. And I opened up the, the little booklet and yeah. it was just like so many amazing guest singers and i was like what the f-? i put the headphones on and my mind was instantly blown by your song chaos so this was um flight of the migrator and cool, cool, and cool. it was all over like i've i've uh, that was, like i said tw- about 20 years ago and i've been a been a fan ever since so um cool, now cool, that i'm cool. done gushing um <laughs> i'm very excited to talk to you about the new the new Star One album, 12 years since the last one. Right. Mostly what I'm curious about, and this will apply to everything that you do, Arion and Ambion, all, all of your uh, endeavors, but mostly as it pertains to the new album. What is your usual songwriting process like, and how was it maybe different or the same uh, for this album? Well, actually, it's different for each album I make. Uh, like Arion is the mother chip and Arion has many, many styles of music, you know. So with Arion, it could start with a guitar riff or it could start even with a synthesizer sound or a chords or a melody or a chord progression or, or an acoustic guitar, anything. So that's that's pretty hard to do, you know. The last Arion album took me like uh, years to, to finish it because it has so many layers. So yeah, now I felt it was time to make some noise again, you know. And Star One is is much simpler. It's it's just plug in the guitar, and let's come up with these riffs, you know. And once I have the riff, it automatically leads into a melody. It leads into the bridge, and then it suddenly it leads into the chorus. And yeah, it's it's something I've done ever since the seventies. You know, I'd been in, in bands and, and in the 80s and the whole glam rock period, you know, it was all riff-based music. So it, it's really in my blood to do that. So, it, yeah, it comes easy. So it's more just a sort of heavy general guitar-based stuff for Star One is what you're saying. True, true. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it, people often say, what's the difference between Arion and Star One? Well, there is basically no difference. It's just that I always say every Arion song, every Star One song could be an Arion song, but not every Arion song could be a Star One song. So on Arion, there's stuff like folky stuff with cellos and violins and flutes and mandolins and dulcimers and whatnot. <laughs> uh, you won't find that on, on Star One. You know, Star One is the basics, back to basics. It's drum, bass, guitar, and then there's like, uh, of course, there's always the Hammond. You know, I love the Hammond, uh, and some old analog synthesizers, and um, and some great singers, and that's about it. Maybe take us through like a little bit of how one of the songs on the album came together. Like, so, uh, so you're saying, like you said, like you start with riffs. How do you build on it from there? Like. Like um, I don't know. Let's say uh, the title track, for example. How do you, how do you generally go about it, step by step, once you've got a, a riff going? Yeah, once you have the riff, you have the whole the, the atmosphere of the song becomes clearer and clearer, you know. But finding that riff, that's the hard one, you know. It, it it's not like I grab the guitar and the riff comes out, you know. The first ten riffs I come up with are absolute crap. You know? <laughs> Mostly, it's something I've done before. You know, then I, I have like this circle of trust around me who are friends, and I 
sent them my ideas. And, no, you did that on universal migrate. No, you did that on electric cars, you know, because everything's been done before. You know, you have, you have six strings or seven strings and, and you have 12, no, 12 notes, you know, and, and uh, it's so hard to come up with something original. And every time I think the well is dry, you know, every time I think I've done it all now, there's nothing left. And there's so many bands and they all make riffs, you know, and they all have the same number of notes on the guitar and uh, but somehow still you know I find something that I haven't done before hopefully <laughs> and uh, you, you mentioned revel in time uh, I was just uh, practicing with pulling the strings you know instead of just playing playing a G uh, playing that F sharp and pulling it up to the G and the you know I got this really sort of like Black Sabbath kind of feel you know my influences are are definitely from the 70s you know that's where i grew up the beginning of the 70s so also all the working titles of the tracks you know the, the working title of that track was sabbath zeppelin <laughs> 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 and it, it has that sabbath feel in the in the riff and it has uh, uh, because you first have the riff and then the music dies down and you, you have vocals and that's like Black Dog, you know. Hey, mama said the way you move. Da, 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 da. So it's got a bit bit of both, you know. And once I have that direction, um, it's it's quite easy, really. It, it, it automatically, uh, I, I already hear a, a vocal melody in my head. Um, but I hear several vocal melodies and I always adapt it to, to the singer uh, who is going to eventually sing it. So I have different options there. And um, with that song, I wanted it to be catchy. So I wanted to, from this really heavy riff and uh, powerful vocals, I wanted to go into a chorus that was more uh, melodic and more, yeah, and more catchy, basically. Okay, so you're hearing this melody, like you're saying, and then you, you've got a pretty sophisticated setup. You, you record everything yourself. You have like a your home studio, and that's where you do everything. Is that right? I, I do everything on my own, so it's a total, total luxury. What I usually do is all these little ideas, all these riffs. I record them on my little phone. Before I used to record it on a on a cassette player, believe me or not, but it died on me after twenty years. It oh. died on me, so I gotta do it with the phone now. You know, I'm an analog man, so I love love all this old shit. Uh, I record all these little riffs uh, on my phone and eventually I got like 30, 40 riffs. Uh, then I put them in a computer and then I listen, okay, which riff is great, which, uh, which part fit together. I, I'm not someone who writes a song and it's finished, you know. I, I keep working on it at least for two weeks and I keep changing it every day and sometimes I, I even end up with something completely different <laughs> than what I started with. And I had to learn that, you know, it's, it's killing your darlings all the time. It's like, no, this is stronger. No, this is stronger. This is stronger. It has to be stronger, you know, always pushing myself like it, it, it can be better than this. And then at some point you realize like, okay, this is the maximum I can get out of it. But it rarely happens that my original idea is a song. That's why I don't get bands who go into the studio and they write songs together and they record them within five days. You know, <laughs> I could never do that. Yeah. That seems crazy to me sometimes. <laughs> you know, you just... I, I, I know. I well, know. But you could, 
make it better? What if you changed it? <laughs> that's it. That's it. I always have the feeling like it could be better. It could be better. I think it's, you know, I'm a huge Beatles fan. If you listen to all their old songs, you know, I want to hold your hand. It's cool. But then at some point they, they stopped playing live and they started experimenting in the studio with George Martin. Then you got all these awesome songs like I'm the Walrus and, and Strawberry Fields and A Day in the Life, you know, where they're really experimenting with sounds. And, and, uh, and also they release these albums where you have like 40 different versions of the song, you know, and you hear it improve you all the time. So, yeah, I, I, I very much believe in... Uh, Keep changing it. Keep changing it until you're happy. Maybe if you could give an example of like something that changed in that song, like noticeably from the first version of what you laid down. Oh, I couldn't. I couldn't remember anymore. <laughs> uh, really, really. Yeah. I, I don't. I know it, it, it's hard. It's it's really hard. Uh, I I don't think you would even recognize the song if you would hear what I started with <laughs> you know it's just I'm, I'm glad there's a direction you know you need that direction first and um that's the most important thing once you have the direction where you want the song to go in then you've got something to to work for often i have these ideas and i have a riff you know but there's i don't see it going anywhere and i think i i'm not sure if that's a talent that you're you're born with or if it's something you learn from experience. But yeah, I need to have that feeling that it's, uh, that it's going to bring me somewhere, you know? So I at least need some chords and I need some melodies and, you know, just, just the riff is not enough for me. What is it that usually gives it that direction, do you think? Do you, th uh, do you find that the lyrics tend to give you a mood that you're going after or is it usually more a melodic direction or a little bit of both? It's, it's totally the other way around. So I would always first do the music and then the lyrics. I think if you, you know, uh, you limit yourself too much if you start with lyrics uh, musically. And I still think that the music is more important than, than the lyrics. So I, I always start with the music and then uh, often I don't even know what the project is I'm working on. You know, I just have these ideas and I, I don't even want to know because if I say it's a star one or, or whatever, I limit myself, you know, I just wanted all the ideas that I have, oh, everything, bring it in. And then slowly the, the project will develop and then slowly the, the style of the music will give me an idea for the concept. That's usually how it works. I mean, that's how it started with Arion. I had all these, uh, suddenly all these medieval melodies, you know, <laughs> and, and I thought, okay, well, and these also these very modern stuff with, with uh, analog synthesizers and stuff. So the story was born out of that. So it's like, okay, I got modern sounds, I got uh, medieval sounds. So the story starts in the future <laughs> and uh, it goes back to the Middle Ages. Yeah, that's how Arion started, basically. The sounds that you were creating and coming up with and writing inspired how, where the story was going to go. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And then at some point, you know, at some point, the story starts taking over. It starts take, taking shape. And then that, again, can influence the, the music or give you new ideas for, for, the, for the story. But 
um, yeah, people often tell me like, uh, oh, you're such a genius because you make these huge concept albums. But it's it's much easier for me <laughs> to do a concept album than to come up with, with uh, like 15 different songs and 15 different subjects, you know. Now I have a concept album. Like I, I did this, this uh, concept album called The Human Equation, which is about uh, a man who is lying in a coma in a hospital uh, for 20 days. Uh, and you slowly find out what happened to him. And it, it was like reading a book for myself. You know, I just started with it and I had no idea how it would end. So each day I was like, what's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen tomorrow? Really? And also it's about 20 days and I wrote it in 20 days. Each day I was like, what's going to happen today? And, and you know, the story unfolds itself slowly to me as well. And you don't have to come up with 20 different subjects, you know, that's like way harder. So doing a concept album, doing like this continuous story for me is a lot easier. That is a, a gold story. I love hearing that. I think the, I think the Human Equation is one of your great works. I mean, there I love everything that you put out, but I, I have a special attachment to that one. And cool, and cool. part of it is because I think the story really hits super hard. Just like like you're describing, it's it's like reading a book or like almost like a mystery, like a you know trying to figure out what what all happened in this, and like it's. Wow. But really I ha I had no idea how it would end. <laughs> it's like it's like you were a writer on Lost. <laughs> They're like, oh, I yeah. don't know where we're going with this. <laughs> yeah. we're, what season but, are we on? 7 now? Well, I guess uh we got I guess we should probably tell people what what the <laughs> No. Well, the difference was they weren't going anywhere. <laughs> right. <they laughs> Unfortunately, didn't. you know. Because no. I no. loved Lost. I was oh. totally hooked on Lost, you know. Yeah. But I was coming near the end and I felt like Oh, this is getting too complex. This cannot be explained. You know, this cannot be explained. This has to be a crappy ending. But and you were like, "We're ne uh, I'm not doing that. I'm gonna come. It's gonna be a real ending for mine. <laughs> it's gonna be real. Well, in the end, it's it's a weird ending of human equation. I mean, it's all happy ending. He wakes up. He forgives everyone. But then suddenly, it turns out to be computer program. You know, from the previous album. <laughs> Oh. So everyone thought, oh, finally, Aryan Lucas is getting to his senses, you know, no more sci-fi crap, no more <laughs> fantasy crap, you know. He made like an interesting story about uh, someone who is in a coma, who is, uh, you know, who is battling with his emotions and stuff like that. And in the end, I totally ruined it. And it was like a com computer program in the dream sequencer. And uh, yeah, pe people hated hated me for that. I actually got mails like, how could you end it like that? You know, it was a beautiful ending. You know, James Lepree woke up and... Yeah, I mean, well... It was all fake. <laughs> I mean, if you told a story, though, is it fake? I mean, it wasn't real to begin with. Those events didn't actually occur, right? You weren't no, telling no. a story of a thing that really happened. So then what's the difference? Like, it's that's a great... True. If that's it's a great true. story... That's true. What does it matter? Yeah. <laughs> you, no, you know, right. I mean, it sounds right. like maybe you did that to make it work in the Arion universe. Like that's it. That's it. You know, that's fine. It wasn't part of the Arion universe, and I, at the end was I, I was like, okay, let's make it part of the Arion universe. And after all, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, for Star One, like we're saying, you you come up with with these riffs, and you have melodies in your mind, and you uh, oh, you were saying that you do the lyrics uh, last, but is it right, is right. the track completely fleshed out by the time you're adding lyrics, or is it 
so you've got the the complete arrangement, the structure of the song, and then you lay the lyrics. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah, lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Not not melodies. Melodies sort of go hand in hand with uh, doing the instrumental part. You know, if you play a chord, you know, you sing a melody, and and then that melody leads to the next chord. Yeah. But um, lyrics is really the, the the final step. So it's it's all finished. And I even wait until I uh, found a singer for the song, for, uh, with writing lyrics. You know, because I, I want the lyrics to fit the singer who's singing it. Like we, we were talking about Revel in Time. I, I really had to wait until I knew who the singer was, you know. And then I saw Brandon Yakely uh, with his band Crowbot, the, the track Low Life on YouTube. And I totally, totally, totally loved it. Uh, you have to, did you see it? You have to check no, it No, I out. haven't seen it. Okay, he's really, he is this low life, you know, with the sideburns and he's like stealing lollies from, from a baby and, and it's amazing. So I saw that and I was like, whoa, this guy has charisma and he has power. I like that, you know, when there's humor and power. Uh, I, I, gotta, I, I gotta really write these lyrics for him, you know. And I could just see the song is about Bill and Ted, like you said in your intro. This guy is open for that, I'm sure, you know. And I asked him even before I wrote the lyrics. I said, "Well, are you a, a Bill and Ted fan?" And he got, he was like, "Go Wild Stallions, you know, bodacious, most excellent, <laughs> party on, dudes." And I was like, "Okay." And then and then I wrote the lyrics uh, based based on the on the singer. So uh, that's amazing. That is truly holistic songwriting. I mean, the fact that you would incorporate the personality of the singer into the actual writing. I think people feel that. And I think it's so important for me that the singer who sings the song feels the song and feels the lyrics and totally agrees with everything. Because I'm sure if, if a singer would not be 100% in it, you know, or not like the lyrics, you know, but would do it anyway, you know, maybe for the money or for, the, for being on Arion or whatever. I think you would you would feel it somehow, you know, it, it, and also for my feeling, you know, uh, I know my brother often says like, hey, you're not marrying these guys, you know, but what does it matter, you know, if, if he likes you or not, but <laughs> still, still for me, it's important, you know, that there's, there's, there's a good communication and uh, yeah, most of all that, that uh, they like the songs and uh, no, I'm not, I'm not one of those artists who, who is like, uh, hey, I write what I want and I don't give a shit what people think. You know, that's for me, it's very important. First of all, what the musicians, musicians themselves think about it. And secondly, it's just very important for me what, what the fans uh, think about it. You know, I know you can't please everyone, so you shouldn't be too focused on that. But still, you know, I, I try to find a balance between everything. I always say that you're your first audience all the time, no matter what. So you have to be happy with it. But of course, you want to sell albums and people like what you do, uh, except for when people get mad and send you letters like you were saying. <laughs> um, but that's because they care. They don't they, they wouldn't send letters if they weren't mega fans, if they weren't so invested in it that they got upset. That's right. You know, it's the biggest compliment that people get angry. Like like with Transitus, you know, my previous uh, Arion album was not received that well. 
And I really got mails from fans telling me, you know, I don't feel it and I don't get it. And, and you know, uh, and I really like them for doing that. Uh, and also it's a confirmation for me that they're honest, you know, that the 20, the 25 years they've been saying they like my music, they meant it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I love it when people are honest uh, with me, you know, as long as you're honest and not behind your back, you know, people can tell me everything and, that's what I said earlier. I have this circle of trust that I send all my uh, demos to and, and always tell them, please be honest with me, you know, because that's you learn from that. So I think that's a perfect segue into one of my um, one of my usual questions about how much influence other people have on your songwriting. So you're kind of a unique case in that you're really uh, kind of soup to nuts doing almost everything yourself you've uh, you've got a drummer that you you know that you bring in but you have done everything I think except drums and vocals in the past but you're right at least writing everything in your in your own spot and doing everything yourself so I guess it's kind of a dumb thing to ask if you work with like a producer but you've you're saying you've got this kind of circle so like your circle and then also anyone out other than that, what kind of outside sources have an effect on your songwriting in general? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a total egomania control freak. So I really do everything myself. I would, <laughs> yeah, I would never have someone produce. I, I, I mean, I've been in bands for 15 years, you know, and I had no control. There was a producer and he was doing all these things. And I was like, I would do it differently, you know, but I always thought back then, you know, this guy's got so much experience, you know, I'm probably wrong, but I wasn't, you know, when I started to do stuff myself, it was like, oh, it's not that hard, you know, it's, I can do it myself too. I think that's how producers are born. Yeah, probably, yeah. It's just what you're yeah, describing. Probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, I, I totally lost the plot. I was going to answer your question. Oh, Sorry, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, other musicians, yeah. Or just to, uh, just anyone who has a, an influence on what you do. Uh, well, firstly, my girlfriend, Laurie, she's my uh, biggest critic. She's the first one who hears everything, you know. I'm, I'm working in my studio, which is at home. And uh, every time I, I have uh, something for her to listen to, you know, I, uh, come, come listen to this. And she's honest, <laughs> very honest, which sometimes hurts. But uh, she tries to get the best out of me. She's like, yeah, this is fine, but you can do better, you know, or you did that in the past. So you, you need to change it or uh, so she's the first. And um, apart from that, you know, when you're in the band, you have all these people telling you, you know, their opinion, which I'm not sure is a good thing, you know, because you make compromises and you make concessions. And for me in the past, nothing good came out of that. But of course, there are exceptions, you know, like Lennon McCartney or, or Paige Plant, you know, or, or uh, sometimes it could work, but I, not for me, you know, I, I really need to do stuff alone. Once the whole setup of a song is finished you know I, I also program the drums so if you hear my demos they're pretty complete uh, I sing guide, guide vocals myself like an octave lower but from that point on all the musicians have 100% freedom so I would send uh, a singer uh, the track with guide vocals and I would always tell them, uh, please, please change whatever you want. Change melodies, change lyrics. If it's better, it's, it's better. If it's not better, I will tell you, stick to the old melody. 
but um, I had to learn that <laughs> for for uh, control when I started Arion. You know, this is my song. These are my melodies. But then you work with Bruce Dickinson, you know, and then you work with Fish, and then you work with Devin Townsend, and you know, uh, Michael Ackerfeld, and they do things that I couldn't even have dreamt about, you know. And then you realize, okay, if I gave give the musicians freedom, because that's why I asked them, you know, I'm a big fan of them. The end result is better, and that's what it's all about. That is a, such a hard thing to do. It is. To, give, <laughs> to cede a little bit of that creative control, especially when you know you're good at writing something. It's hard because even amazing singers and musicians aren't necessarily great writers. No, no, so totally right. Sometimes totally they are, right. sometimes yeah, they're yeah. not. If you're working yeah, with somebody yeah. like Devin Townsend, you could give him just a bare bones track and just be like, go nuts, and he'll write something yeah. that's amazing um, or take what you've got and make it better. I can't think of anybody off the off the dome, but a singer who maybe is just an incredible singer can't write for whatever reason. They have to be very well guided. And uh, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I sort of have a, a talent in recognizing that. Like if I have this singer in my studio, I would know whether I should give him freedom, uh, him or her, uh, or if I should take over and lead. You know, which is fine. The, the result will both be good you know it's not like uh, it will be better if a singer has all the ideas himself you know but uh, i somehow feel that i i some it's always the biggest compliment when people tell me uh, you know this singer sounds better in your project than in his own band and that's <laughs> that's you know that's what i do it for that really feels good uh and i think it's because i listen to the sound of the voice you know and not i i if I listen to a singer in a band, I don't listen to the music or, or, or the technique, you know, I listen to the sound of his voice and how could I use that sound in, in my music? And, and, and then, you know, often make them sound different than in their own bands, you know, that, that's, that's always a challenge for me. Yeah, and I, I bet when you're listening to music, because so much of, uh, because you're using essentially 100% almost guest vocals on your music mm -hmm. when you're listening to bands especially right. new stuff you must be thinking all the time like ooh, who could i what could i use this guy for what's what could i <laughs> <laughs> i i i am and and that's positive and it's negative uh the positive thing is i recognize the talent you know i write down their names i contact them uh the negative thing is i can't listen to music anymore as a fan you know, when I listened to Rainbow, when I grew up, when I listened to Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath, you know, and I was listening as a fan, you know, I didn't know too much about it and I liked it or I didn't like it. I know too much now. You know, I hear, it's it's terrible. If I hear a singer like, oh, this has been auto-tuned, or, oh, this, you know, that's not entirely in tune. And, uh, oh, they should have used a different mic, but there's too much compression here. And it's terrible, you know, I've I've always been afraid that I, wouldn't be able to listen to music as a fan anymore. And uh, it's the peeking behind the curtain problem. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. It's such a shame, you know. That that's why I'm I'm happy I'm not an actor and I can still enjoy movies. <laughs> you know. I uh, I follow like a uh, a uh, an Instagram. Um, in, I don't know what you'd call her, but she's she's like a, a, a what do we what do they call people who direct not a director <laughs> uh, whatever <laughs> like a videographer a, a filmmaker whatever and um, right right yeah yeah she said that uh, something similar she's like I can't watch 
movies and TV anymore because all I'm no. thinking about is lighting no. and, and what I know. lens they use I know. and all that it's stuff. It's terrible. And that's kind of a, a, a just a a trade-off that you make when you start really I doing know. the thing. Um, yeah. I can tell you this, like, I mean, you've been doing it a, a, a minute longer than I have, but I had, I took a, a serious step back because I wanted to get back to the point where I could listen to music and enjoy it as a, just on a, a regular level, like a normal person. Uh, well, for me, it was, I found a band that turned that part of my brain off and I rem- I in- re- experienced it again, like I did when I was fifteen, whoa, and that made whoa. me want to go back and and just uh, do that for everything. So I like uh, I've practiced doing that. Yeah. It's uh, it okay, is, it's okay. really hard. I've kind of gone swung back a little bit, especially doing this podcast and doing a lot of yeah. songwriting content because I have to analyze stuff so much. Right, it's possible right. to turn it off and go back. There okay. Is hope. <laughs> okay. So what what band was that? Uh, Amaranth from Sweden. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'm kind of obsessed. Um, I think you. Okay. Uh, oh, do you know you know the band uh, Seventh Wonder? Wait, no, I'm sorry. That's of course, a, that's not yeah, it. That's yeah. Tommy's. I'm sorry, not Seventh Wonder. That's Tommy. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I'm totally drawing a blank. The other <laughs> the other singer from Amaranth is in another band. It's uh, why did I think Seventh Wonder? Anyway, I'll look it up later. Uh, they're they're yeah, yeah, they yeah. have you know they have three singers in the band, and the one of the singers is in another power metal band in Sweden, who's also very great. And I feel like you probably cool, have heard of them. Cool, and I cool. anyway, if you're looking for great singers, that band is filthy with them. <laughs> who uh, who was the female female singer again? Oh, it's Elise Rid. Yeah, yeah, she she uh, emailed me uh, some some time ago. We've been in contact. Oh, I great. listened to her stuff, and uh, I liked it. So yeah, she's, she's on the list. Yeah, <laughs> she's on yeah. the list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there are other yeah, uh, very cool. The yeah, the other two singers in the band are also quite great. Okay, great. <laughs> anyway, I'm a t- I'm just a I'm just a total uh, total fangirl for that band. Love them. But cool. Uh, it, it was there was something about it that hit me on just uh my fans are are sick of hearing about it <laughs> I've, said, okay. I've told this dumb story a million <laughs> times but yeah. something that hit me on a total totally visceral level and um you know i was able to turn that off but it's but i i know exactly what you're talking about this when you're working on it all the time and you're you're in it and you're really know, caring about every yeah. detail yeah. then you go to try and enjoy it and you just, you're just like how do you get back yeah and I, 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 I listen to totally different shit, you know. I listen to Simon and Garfunkel or something, you know, that's far removed from my from what I do. And there I can still enjoy it, you know. I can still enjoy the old stuff, the sixties stuff, seventies stuff. And sometimes also new music. But as soon as it's like prog metal, as soon as it's like what I do, I start listening with musicians' ears, you know, even even Dream Theater, you know, even Haken, even all these bands. It's like uh, I listen to it and uh, and I totally appreciate it, you know. And it's so damn good, you know. And it's it's even better than all those bands in the seventies, you know. It's it's a level higher what they do, many levels higher. And it's like, damn, why can't I enjoy it as much, you know, as I enjoyed uh, Black Sabbath with uh, three notes, you know. And and um, yeah. It's a shame, but but on the other hand, you know, I I, I try to create the music uh, uh, that I want to hear myself. You know, that that's always what I try to do. What what would I want to hear myself? What can I not find right now? Uh, that's the music I want to create myself. That's that's always the challenge I I uh, have. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go about it more than anything else because 
usually that means that it's something that is that doesn't exist. If you're trying to make the music that you want to hear, it's because it's that's not it, already yeah. out there, yeah. which means that the world yeah. needs it. And I it's know, the thing yeah, that's yeah. going to make you the most happy, so you're going to be the most stoked to make it Absolutely. and get it going, and it's very motivating. And the good thing is I'm very bad at copying. <laughs> uh, no, really. Uh, some people are really good at copying. You know, like like Kingdom Come was really good at copying Led Zeppelin, so you got a clone, you know, however much I liked it. Uh, I often, you know, try to do something like another band, and I, I can't do it, so something completely different comes out. And that's good, you know, because <laughs> people don't hear it back. Like on this, this album, there are really, that uh, like the song Prescient, I started listening to a Porcupine Tree song, even less... And how do they do it? And I can't, I'm very, I never learned music at all. You know, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I'm trying to do what they do and something totally different comes out. And I wrote this song, Prescient, and I was really afraid that everyone would say like, hey man, that's Porcupine Tree. No one, no one ever heard it, you know, because I'm just really bad at copying. And it, I think it's like, why are the Beatles so so popular? You know, they, they lived in Liverpool and, uh, they lived at the harbor, so all these ships from America were coming in and they were playing B.B. King and they were playing Little Richard, you know, and Beatles were trying to do that too. But, you know, they, they were four white kids and and it totally came out wrong, but cool. <laughs> you know? I think most musicians start off as clones of some kind, you know, like you're inspired by something yeah. so you just try to imitate it totally and some people do that too much and they never really get out of that phase but like the truly get, great never, ones will do do that for a little while and then go like oh i can take this to the next yeah. stage or yeah, whatever yeah, that's and it, yeah, yeah. uh kind of like uh you know clapton was just uh, would cop bb king licks exactly right, that right, was how he right. learned guitar yeah, yeah. he had this tape yeah. thing and he would you know um just copy it exactly as he could but then eventually he became his own his own thing um and you can still hear that thing but zeppelin is a good good example of course i mean they <laughs> so many parts that they stole and made their own you know and and uh, yeah it's the way it works i think stealing is underrated in music <laughs> yeah, yeah let's steal <laughs> It's hard to steal exactly. It's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're saying, I don't hear a whole hell of a lot of anything other than you and your music. I, I mean, I guess I would say I hear a bit of Deep Purple more than anything else in the organ stuff, but you've got a very yeah. unique musical identity, and that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since you mentioned Porcupine Tree, and um, also that song is, uh, is about primer which is fucking awesome i love that I know. movie <laughs> I, know. I saw I know. that and i was like oh yeah here we go now yeah yeah yeah, yeah movie yeah. they made for like ten dollars and it's so amazing but <laughs> i know i know i know and it made millions it, it's fantastic yeah yeah but is there anything else that you were listening to during the creation of this album that maybe had an influence or just that you were enjoying? Uh, the good thing is uh, i have a, a very very uh, wide taste in music you know, I mentioned Simon and Garfunkel, or singer-songwriter, or, or 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 even Britpop. You know, even I was even a punk. In, in, you know, I loved the Sex Pistols and the Damned in, in, in 1976. I mean, there's so many musical styles that I like, uh, which is a good thing. You know, to be open, of course, for other styles. 
because you said you don't really recognize stuff in my in my music it's probably because you don't know these bands because they're <laughs> from a totally yeah they're from a totally different genre you know could i could i could get get a melody in from i don't know sparks you know uh, I, I love Sparks. I don't know if you know them. Like like uh, this town is big enough for both of us. It's amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. Uh, but yeah, my audience doesn't know that band, so I can steal whatever I want to put want. in my music. And Sparks fans will never listen to my music, uh, you know. And my fans will never listen to Sparks. So so uh, th- that's that's also a neat neat trick, you know. That is a neat trick. <laughs> Yeah, like like uh, uh, on the pre- on the on the album Star One, I had a, I never told this to anyone. I, I shouldn't tell it, but it's too late now. <laughs> it, it's on the source. It's called Everybody Dies, mm-hmm. and it's like uh, the melody goes. And everybody dies, mm-hmm. and it's it's totally from a band called the Water Boys, which you never heard of. It's like a, an Irish pop band or folk band, really. I was like, oh my God, you know, it's, I don't do it on purpose, you know, I just do it because I like that music and it ends up in my music. And suddenly I realized, and I was like, am I gonna change it? Or am I gonna hope that no one will ever notice? Well, no one ever noticed. (laughs) Holy shit. That's another like funny topic, like because there's stealing, right? There's like intentional, like I am going to steal this idea and put it yeah, in my yeah, own yeah, music. No. That that won't work. But then there's the the, uh, the thing where it just yeah. comes out, and you're like, man. Yeah, yeah. Intentionally stealing is not going to work, you know. And and I I would never do it. I would never do it. No. It 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 doesn't give you a good feeling, you know. It's not mine, and I don't know. But once it's in there and you recognize it, then it's maybe a bit too late to do something about it. You can get away with it, I think. <laughs> if it, what, oh, what is it called? Um, plausible deniability. If you that's if it. you didn't do it on purpose, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, yep, you're about yep, to get a call get from the uh, from their lawyers. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. so I 100 percent did that last year yeah. at the. Uh, I wrote a song for uh, for for the channel. And I realized that a riff that I used is almost identical to The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. Oh. Just like, uh, not in like a swing time. So, the, you know, it goes... And like slightly different tonality and everything. And I literally just a couple of days ago was like, oh my God, it's The Beautiful People. <laughs> oh, I totally <laughs> yoinked. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Nobody noticed. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool. No, no, because it's a different genre. I love it too, Marilyn Manson. I mean, the beautiful people, the beautiful, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. When I was... You know, I saw it live a couple of times and, and it's so over the top, you know. Super and, uh, over the top. This is, this is the new shit. Yeah, fantastic. And if I would steal from that, you know, my fans, you know, who listen to Dream Theater or Haken, they would never know. <laughs> no. Um, uh, so... What else, uh, anything else you've, you were listening to during the creation of this that you think that you no- noticed had a notable effect on the music? Uh, well, it, it's, it's funny. If you look at the working titles of the songs, it's always the same. It's like Black Sabbath. It's like Led Zeppelin. It's like Deep Purple. Like, like um, Fate of Man, the opening song. A lot of people would say like, hey, it's a speed metal song. But for me, it's like Kill the King, you know, like uh, Rainbow. That that's where it started for me. That's those are the bases. So, oh yeah, <laughs> all the working titles is like uh, the the influence where it comes from, you know. 
like uh, the second song, 28 Days, total Black Sabbath song, uh, <laughs> Black Sabbath kind of riff, you know. Uh, but yeah, you, your question was, what did I listen to? It, it's not that I listen to that. I mean, that, that kind of music is in my genes. You know, I, I listened to it in my formative years. But um, no, I, I listen to completely different music and um, different stuff every day. So it's so hard to, to answer that, uh, that question. And even if I would answer it, you would not know. <laughs> you would not know the bands. That's all right. I, I want, uh, but I want to know new. I want to find new or other stuff than what I'm listening to now. I want to know. You know. Okay. Like, okay. It, that's okay. Yeah, Just yeah. if it doesn't matter if I've never heard of it, because I will have heard of it now. That's true. That's true. From you. Uh, well, yeah. The stuff. I yeah. You know. It's it's it's. I don't know if it all stood the test of time. Uh, like like Sparks, you know, it was a song from 1975. If you hear it now, you know, it, it, it doesn't sound all that good. But yeah, you could give it a chance. The track is called uh, uh, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. And it's totally a genre on its own. You know, it's it's like weird. It's like a guy with a, who sounds like a like a girl when he sings. It's like this falsetto kind of song. Maybe if I say that, you'll remember it. They, they got this uh, keyboard player and he looks like Hitler. He's just sitting there with his... Oh, no. Yeah, and he got away with it somehow, you know. I think he said, no, it's not Hitler, it's Charlie Chaplin. And then <laughs> that's the way to get out. But um, uh, yeah, interesting band. But that's just one of the thousand bands that I, that I listen to. I happened to mention it because it was, I, I, I watched the whole documentary on them, uh, ah. which was very cool. But uh, yeah, apart from that, I just listen to all the new stuff that people rave about. You know, if I, I'm subscribed to a lot of magazines and I see like the, the sound checks, you know, and if there's a band on number one, uh, I, I would always check it out. Uh, like, like, yeah, like yesterday it was uh, uh, Wild. Wild Run? Is it Wild Run or something? Oh, uh, yeah, Wilder Run? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An uh, Australian. Uh, is it Australian? Uh... No, I think they're from Boston. They're like a oh, okay, like a okay. like a like a kind of a metal like proggy kind of yeah. Opeth, yeah, yeah. Yes, they're from Boston. Uh... I saw them on the uh, seventy thousand tons of metal cruise, cool, and I talked cool, to them a little yeah. bit because I'm also from Boston. So I was like, maybe okay, we know cool, some of the same cool. people. We didn't yeah, know. Yeah, 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 people, yeah, yeah. But... No, no. <laughs> yeah, they're great though. They're amazing. They're great. Yeah, it's it's something you hear hear it and it's like shit. It's something new, you know. That's uh, especially for me because you know I'm from the sixties and uh, I. I I, I basically I heard it all, you know, and and it's it's great when you hear new stuff like that. So yeah, let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious about your lyric writing process. So at a certain point, you decide on a singer for the song and a topic, like you were saying yeah. um, for Revel in Time. The singer, his whole vibe screamed Bill and Ted to you. He loved yeah. Bill and Ted. <laughs> you love Bill and Ted. Yeah. It's a sci-fi movie. It fits within your in your purview. What's next? How do you go about writing those lyrics? Well, each Star One album has a, a concept. So the first Star One album was very spacey. So it was based on movies that were entirely set in space, like uh, like uh, Alien or 2001. The second Star One album, Victim of the Modern Age, was based on dystopian movies. 
like Blade Runner, like Clockwork Orange. And uh, this album is based on uh, uh, movies about the manipulation of time. So it's not like I watch a movie and then, oh, I got an idea for a song. That's not how it works. It's I got the song and I got the 11 songs. Then I go to my DVD collection there and uh, I pull out all these movies that have something to do with time. And I think I pulled out like 40 movies. That's how much I like uh, the topic. Uh, then it's just a matter of, okay, which movie would fit which song? Like, obviously, uh, the, the fast track, Fate of Man, you know, it, it would fit the Terminator. And this, the second song, this slowly, slow prodding, heavy Black Sabbath kind of song would fit Donnie Darko. You know, so then I, I, I put the, uh, I know the, uh, which movie should go to which song. Um, then I watch the movies. And the last thing I want to do is just write lyrics that is obvious. You know, I just tell the story of the movie and that's it, you know. I, I watch the movie and I want to find out, like, what is the director saying with this? Uh, what is the, the idea behind it? What is the message, if there is one at all? And write something about that, you know, and keep it kind of cryptic. Like, not make it too obvious about what, what, what movie it is about. Um, so the first day... I wrote all these lyrics, in each lyric in three days. So the first day is just writing words down. Um, and then it's a matter of finding the title. You know, that I always want that title first. And if I have the title, the rest will come, come automatically. And then the second day, I write the lyrics. And the third day, I uh, perfect them. And uh, that's it. So it's always three days per song. I'm just writing down what you said. If you if you have the title, the rest will come. That's um, that's cool. It the title is the title is so important. You know, it's so important. Like I have this song um, uh, "Beyond the Edge of It All," and it it just sounded so cool. <laughs> uh, I didn't even have the movie yet. I just sang "Beyond the Edge of It All." You know, it had just had that Dio feel to it. So I even had to find a movie that would fit that title. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, somehow the title of the song is, is uh, same thing with Revel in Time. I was like, uh, what am I going to call the album? Like Travel in Time is cliche, you know, that's, uh, I heard it before. And then suddenly I thought, okay, Travel in Time, what if I lose the T? And there would just be Revel in Time. Uh, and then, yeah, that's, that's the way my mind works. And then it's like, okay, reveling time is a very positive message. You know, uh, time is all we have. Let's make the most of it. Uh, let's revel in it. That would be perfect for, for Bill and Ted, you know, and then I have that title and then I know what to write about. Makes it a party. Travel in time could be scary or whatever. Revel in time uh -huh. is party time, which is like it's party that, it, time. it party perfectly describes Bill and Ted. It's the most excellent time. It's yes. the most excellent time. <laughs> okay, so you you yeah. you you write down a bunch of words you were saying, so that just words that are related right, yeah. up to the to the movie and the plot and everything, yeah. and then yeah, 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 yeah. What? How do you usually proceed once you've let's say you've got the title, you've got this sort of a list of related words how do you usually then proceed the words are the most important i think the pronunciation is uh, for me is more important than the meaning of the words uh and i think i learned that from dio i mean if you uh sing me a song you're a singer you know 
do me no wrong, you're a bringer of evil. Like, what? <laughs> you know, but it sounds so good, you know. Sing me a song. Like the sound of the words, is, that's the most important thing for me. You know, I have to, I always envision the singer singing it. And if he has to sing all these complicated words and, and many syllables, you know, that's not going to work. So the pronunciation of the words is very important. And I basically hear on my computer, I have to, I have, uh, I go to, uh, and it's like, what, what's another word for? Oh, a thesaurus. So you get, uh, 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 yeah, yeah, synonyms and antonyms and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So like with every word, uh, I want to, every word, I'm such a perfectionist, every word has to be the most perfect word. So sometimes you, you go to this thesaurus and, and, and then you have like, you know, 300 options for a word. And I would go through all 300 of them, you know, to find the word that sounds, sounds the best. So that, uh, that takes up the most time. <laughs> and I, I don't understand people who can write lyrics, you know, without these tools. It, uh, I, but I've done it in the past, you know, you didn't. I had my little thesaurus, of course, little booklet. But uh, yeah, that is a big, big help to me. Some people just got the gift, man. They can just, blah, 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 and it just comes out great. I know, I, I know, I know. And, they, and also I can't make, I can't do cryptic lyrics. I can't do lyrics like where I'm like, let's leave it up to people, you know, what, what they, uh, what it means. Uh, I, I want to, if I write lyrics, I want people to understand it. You know, I want people to be able to follow it. And, and uh, maybe 80% of my people, uh, my fans are not native speakers, you know, and I want them to understand too what it's about. I, I want people to understand it, but still I want them to have, uh, to, to read between the lines, to be able to read between the lines and to leave something cryptic at the end, you know. I mean, you mentioned Primer. I mean, it's one of those movies you watch and like, it's over and it's like, okay, <laughs> what happened here, you know? What, 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 what is the ending? But it leaves you thinking about it and that's the cool thing. That's uh, so much of, of what I... I spend so much of my time thinking about when I'm writing lyrics. You go, mm -hmm. because you have a thing you are trying to say and you want the audience to get it. And that's super yeah. important. And like you're saying, like you don't want people to go like, oh, I know this song is about this. And that's what it yeah, meant to me. Yeah. And you're like, no, that's right. not what I wrote the song about. No, 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 <laughs> um, no, no. So you want to get it across, but it has to sound good. It has to sing well. Yeah. The lyrics have yeah. to mean what you mean want them to mean but also have the right number of syllables and all of that so right right yeah yeah and the right stressing i mean it's one of my pet peeves you know when people use wrong stressing <laughs> yes Accent i, I the can't wrong handle syllable. that mm -hmm. i can't handle that you mentioned you're from boston mm -hmm. uh, is it more than a feeling yeah. woke up this morning woke up this morning and the, the sun was gone it's wrong stressing oh and you're speaking to my soul right now because that bugs the shit out of me. <laughs> it does me too. so much. I could I couldn't even hear what they were singing. Like this this one was gone. What what is he singing? No, and this song is gone. It's you wouldn't say yeah, that in a sentence. My, if somebody said that I to know. you in real life with that, you'd be like, "I'm sorry, are you having a stroke? Is there something wrong with you?" A hundred percent. 
I love so much that you said that. Uh, that makes yeah, me feel yeah. so much better. That, uh, unless you, know? you do, unless you do it deliberately, you know, if you deliberately put the stressing totally wrong, it can be funny. Right, but it's funny because it's weird and it feels wrong. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> that is absolute gold to me. So when you're structuring out your lyrics, do you have anything that you do? with them that like you do maybe every time or at least most of the time like a certain structure that you give to it because like you're saying it has to sound good you think that the way that the words sound is is most important but you're also more than almost any songwriter out there telling elaborate stories yeah yeah so how do you go about that it's dangerous to do that because as soon as people understand what you're saying or as soon as they understand the lyrics, it's cheesy. They call it cheesy. In my stories, there's often discussion, there's often dialogue, you know, and if there's dialogue, you know, they're not gonna use cryptic, cryptic sentences, you know, you wouldn't do that in real life, you know, say, say something to some, someone who won't understand it. So I want that to be very clear, you know, if it's a dialogue, it's, it's uh, uh, yeah, I want people to understand it and, it, yeah, it's shitty. Then people, so many people call my lyrics cheesy, you know, and I, I can understand to a certain point, you know. I mean, I, I, I wrote Electric Castle and it's, it's about a, a hippie and a barbarian in outer space, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's che- cheesy as hell. But um, yeah, just because people understand it, to, to call it cheesy is, is uh, something that sometimes annoys me, you know, because sometimes I, I read lyrics... And I won't mention names, but just the other day I was listening to a band and I was like, oh my God, did they really write this? And I go to, to, uh, to the internet and check the lyrics. Yes, yes, they really wrote this. And no one is giving them shit for it. No one. <laughs> and I like really work hard on my lyrics and I want it to be perfect English. My girlfriend is an American teacher, so she, she's really good at that, checking my lyrics. Uh, and I get that shit all the time, you know, that's, uh, sometimes annoys me. How do you kind of keep that from happening? Do you think? Uh, I don't, I don't give, I, I, I do give a shit, but I will just keep on doing it. Oh, you just, keep, you know, you just because, go for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it might be just a small percentage, you know, of the people who say it. And, uh, I, I get so many emails every day from people uh, who say like, damn it, man, your music changed my life. Your lyric changed my life. Especially when I did Human Equation, you know, I'd been through that with my dad, you know, and I had a bad childhood and, uh, you know, my, my mother died and, and uh, uh, yeah, you help so many people with the lyrics that, uh, yeah, that, that are, that, that people understand, you know, uh, so I, I will definitely keep on going the way I am, you know, and every now and then I make a cryptic album. I did Guild Machine. I don't know if you, if you if you know it, and the lyrics are extremely cryptic, and they were written by my girlfriend Laurie, and it's uh, it's it's amazing, and she knows what she means with every line, you know, but it's definitely not obvious what she means. But I could never write like that. It's uh, again, you know, everything I'm saying to you now, that lyrics should sound good, people should understand it. That's just for me. You know, <laughs> I mean, other bands, I mean, Bob Dylan, you know, should, should just write his cryptic text that no one knows what it's about, you know, and it's cool anyway. <laughs> you know, I have nothing against it. Or people should 
write political stuff, you know, I would never ever uh, get politics in, in, in my lyrics or, or religion or whatever, whatever people can fight about later, you know, I would avoid that, you know. And it's not like I don't have opinions. I mean, I'm, I'm a terrible, terrible opinionate, opinionated bastard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I try not to put my personal opinions in my in my music. I, I don't think it's my task as a musician to do that. So, but never again, you know. If if Bono wants to do it or Sting wants to do it, you know, perfect. You know, do it. It's just not for me. Well, um, for sure. I think mainly the thing that as an artist you have to you're imposing on other people is less your politics but still your opinion your aesthetic uh taste or whatever all these things that you're talking about like like the way that you go about lyrics the the specific um or the uh specificness specificity whatever um of them (laughs) you know trying to get the story across having it to uh have a certain cadence and sound right and all of that um that's that's all the that's kind of like politics in art in a certain people people will get uh, i know i know pretty st- stoked or not about it um yeah no your personal opinions will always be there between the lines you know you there's nothing you can do about that yeah it's uh, uh i made this solo album called lost in a new reel mm-hmm. uh, about someone who wakes up 500 years in the in the future and uh, how the world has changed and stuff like that and there's pretty heavy lyrics on there you know about euthanasia and about religion and stuff like that but in a joking way and i really thought i was would get problems with it you know where people would be like hey this and that no one somehow i got away with it by yeah making maybe making fun of it here and there or uh, making it a bit more cryptic but reading between the lines you know it's it's pretty heavy stuff so it seems like sometimes with um anything that's sort of fantasy based sci-fi fantasy you know fiction as opposed to like i don't know i'm trying to um uh, trying to think of uh overtly political or timely bands talking about things that are happening in real time there's an escapist element and a lot of people who will listen to um or partic- or, or or really get involved in fiction-based media of any kind, books, movies, um, and music, they don't want to hear about politics or intense real things because they're trying to escape from those. That's what is happening in real life. They don't want that. And Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Do you think that maybe that's also part of uh, why you go about making that kind of art? Totally, totally. My, my music is 100% escapism. Uh, I, I would never write about the pandemic, you know. Uh, I mean, of course, it was tempting because because uh, uh, aerial movies are based on sci-fi movies. You know, it would have been tempting to base it on movies about viruses and stuff like that. You know, but I I d- deliberately did not do that. You know, I really want to offer escapism. You know, I want people to put on those headphones. You know, get the album and look at the artwork, uh, you know, the amazing Chef Bertel's artwork and just disappear into the music and forget forget the problems and uh, kind of like stick their hand in the sand, your head in the sand, which is not good, you know, but <laughs> it's it's what I do. What else are you going to do what? right now, though? Is there anything <laughs> know, that you can do about what's going on? I mean, feels like a pretty good time to stick your head in the sand for a while. Totally. 
And I, I was the way, same way as a kid, you know. I wanted War of the Worlds. You know, I wanted to disappear into that world or, or uh, Tommy, you know, the Who, stuff like that. Yeah, I, I just wanted to escape, you know, and that, that's what I'm offering people. Uh, and and you, you, uh, you have the risk of people calling it cheesy, especially when it's, uh, when it's sci-fi or fantasy, you know. And some of it, it is cheesy, you know. <laughs> some of it is pretty cheesy. So there's a thin line there that I'm hoping to avoid, yeah. It's it's a difficult thing to play with. I know. I mean, I, I even wrote a lyric about Stonehenge, you know, that's after Spinal Tap, that's, <laughs> that's quite a risk to do that. It's quite, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that, and the Druids turned to stone? Right. You got it. <laughs> you got it. And I, I sent it to Damien and I was like, here's a song. And he was like, ah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I said, is it because it's about Stonehenge, you know, is it like a spinal tap for you? He was like, ah, I don't know. And he really did not like the song much. And I said, come over and we'll make it work, you know. But yeah, that's dangerous territory there. <laughs> that's uh, that's hilarious to hear, though. But yeah, it's that's tough. And it could people could have those associations or not. You know, they may be like, like, sure, I've. I've seen Spinal Tap a hundred times. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I knew that that's what the song was about. I didn't think about that while I was listening to it. If I had, maybe I would have thought it was a little cheesy or something. But (laughs) right, right. (laughs) That's definitely a danger. Honestly, though, like sometimes the cheesiest thing is trying too hard to be like cool or hip or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's the way I feel it too. Yeah, and it won't be timeless either. You know that that sort of like no. attitude. Those songs are usually stuck in a time period, and we look back on them 10, 20 years later, and you go like, "Oh my god, that is fucking cheesy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. I think it's interesting the um, thing you were talking about, uh, escapism, and this album is literally about every part of it is about time travel traveling away from the time in which you currently exist totally that you were born into and live in it doesn't get much more escapist than that no no absolutely except maybe groundhog day you know being stuck in the same day is like hmm <laughs> it's almost the opposite of time travel it's time no travel i know <laughs> time stopped here time stasis uh, is one of the songs on the album about groundhog day it is, yeah. It's today's yesterday, yeah. So it, it had to be there, you know. If you make an album about time, you have to include Groundhog Day and you have to in- include Back to the Future, you know. There's no two ways about it. And there are timeless films, you know. I watched them again and I was like, oh, yes, yeah, this is so cool. It really holds up, absolutely. Yep, totally, yeah. Some of the movies didn't. Some of the movies, I saw them back and I was like, oh my God, you know, I liked this as a kid, but it really did not stand the test of time. So one of the songs on this album is about Back to the Future. Totally, yeah. It, it's uh, Back from the Past. And um, it, it was actually called Back to the Future, but I thought that that's too, too much, you know, I don't want to make it too obvious. And I, Back to the Future is mentioned in the, the chorus. And I still remember uh, mailing Jeff Scott Soto about it. I said, I first asked him, like, do you like Back to the Future? And he, ah, oh, it's my favorite trilogy. I said, well, do you mind if, if the line Back to the Future is, is in the chorus or is that too cheesy for you? And he said, hey, man, it's, it's your song. I'm totally fine singing that, no problem at all. 
I still remember that, yeah. Am I crazy or did you have another song that's about Back to the Future? Uh, you're crazy. I'm crazy? Okay. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I like interpreted but... one, of your <laughs> one of your older songs wrong. Sorry, I was just like, well, isn't there one on the, on the first Star One album that's about that? Probably not. No, it's it, it's all about movies in space. The first, right, uh, right. Star you to, you so, literally yeah. just told me that. <laughs> um, I probably heard it, and like we were talking about earlier, you know, like you want people to get, pick up what you're putting down <laughs> yeah. with the lyrics, and um, yeah. it's possible that I just completely misinterpreted. Anyway, um, maybe it's the word destiny. I use the word destiny a lot. You know, it, it reminds you of "You Are My Density." From uh, <laughs> Back to the Future. <laughs> it's a, it's my favorite line of the album. It's so funny. Yes. Let me uh, let me just backtrack a tiny bit since we're talking about going back in time. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm mostly curious about once again the the actual process of how you do uh, what you do. I want to jump back into that a, a tiny bit. So you write uh, these lyrics. You send it out to the um, to the singers. Are they getting Base, are they getting the the absolute final version of the track that they're singing on top of? Do you ever make changes after you get back their their vocals? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is open. Usually, you know, I fly the singers into my studio, then we can work on it together. But of course, now with COVID, that wasn't possible. So uh, so it starts with I sing the guide vocals, uh, which are really not good. You know, it's often an octave lower because I can't sing high. These guide vocals this time went to the guide vocalist, who is a Dutch guy called uh, JC. And he really raised the bar for, for the singers. So he sang the guide vocals in my studio. So we worked on them together and got really got the best out of it. So that those guide vocals go to the singers. And uh, so they know exactly what to do. But I always tell them, please, you know, these are guide vocals. If you want to change stuff, do it. If you want to improve it and... Uh, um, uh, I, I, yeah, the, good, the great thing is when I have in my, them in my studio, I have like 15 tracks that I can pick the best words from. And I don't have that, you know, when they sent me the, the vocals. So I had to make sure that the guide vocals were like really, really good this time. Okay. So, uh, but once you get the, um, the, let's say you've either got them in your studio or you're, um, you're getting the tracks from them that they've recorded remotely ever uh make drastic or small changes to the arrangement or to the parts that you've written after that like based on what they sent i could adjust things in the song to make the vocals come out better yeah but i can't change it drastically anymore you know if their their vocals are recorded but yeah definitely mix wise you know if, if someone sings it softer than i thought they would sing it you know i would take away instruments at that point you know or maybe even take away all guitars just bass and drums because of the way it was sung so yeah everything is open there's there's no rules basically okay for people who who play guest solos like the keyboard uh, uh juiced is that his yeah, name? yeah yeah uh, yoast yeah. oh okay <laughs> yeah 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 that makes sense that now, that, you <laughs> know, as sense, soon as yeah. I said it out loud, I was like, "That's not how you say that." <laughs> <laughs> well, we call him Juicy because of juiced, so it's funny. But it's it's pronounced Yoast. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's one of those things where you you read it a lot, and then 
And then it comes time to say it out loud. You're like, I've never said this out loud know, before in I my know. life. Maybe I shouldn't try it for the first time on a live stream. But, you know, this is, uh, we always it's, go it's off It's the, the right way in the U.S. <laughs> it's like Van Gogh, you know. It's Van Gogh, really, the, the painter. <laughs> that sounds but, like a swear word. It sounds like clearing your throat, yeah. But it's, Holy shit, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, Van Gogh, that's, that's Van Gogh. the real way to pronounce it. Amazing. I'm learning so <laughs> Don't much even today. Try. Um, so ho- luckily, luckily, you got a cap on your mic because that would have yeah. totally ruined your <laughs> This is new too. I just got this this week. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, so a host and uh, Michael Romeo, do you give them any direction or... No. No, you just... Here's your spot, go nuts. No, no, no. I'm, I mean, they're the best in the world, you know. If, if I send a solo to Steve I, you know, I'm not going to tell him this is what I want, you know. I just know that I want to give them all the freedom and I wouldn't want to limit them by saying anything, you know. I just send them the part. Do you like the part? Go for it. Do you, uh, like the singers, do you have a certain, do you think like, oh, this spot has to be Romeo or this has to be Steve Vai if I can possibly get him or, or how does that work? Oh yes oh yes yeah especially the Steve Vai part you know it was like three minutes and I was like should I put vocals on I said no this 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 needs a long guitar solo and I remember I sent it to Steve and he was like well where does the solo go I said well all of it <laughs> it's like three minutes long and he was like okay well let me think about it and then a couple of months later, I got it back and it was amazing, you know, and I, I'm glad I picked that part for him because he can shine, you know, he can do his melodies and his harmonies and, and he really worked on it, you know, he didn't phone it in. It was really, you know, he's a perfectionist like me. If he does it, he does it 100% or he, he doesn't do it. So yeah, with, with each, uh, each song, I, I know which guitar player or which singer would sound good on it and I'm uh, I'm rarely wrong in that, you know. It's uh, uh, I don't have many talents, but that's one of my talents that I just know when it's going to work. And Vi is great because he's he has like he's more of a composer than anything else. He he can do really uh, long ideas, really long phrase ideas and stuff. So true. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is a composition. You're absolutely right in that. You know, it's not just mindless shredding or see how good my technique is you know it's a whole he's telling a story and that's i've had solos back where they weren't telling a story you know and i would just say like sorry man can you give me another option and if they can't you know i'm not going to use it i mean i'm not going to put anything on the album that i'm not 100 percent behind but yeah that story in a solo is very important for me that's a tough conversation to have but I, I admire your dedication to getting it right. It is, it is. But I, I, I always start, already when I start working with people, I warn them <laughs> what a perfectionist I am and that I'm really hard to work with, you know, and that I'm rarely satisfied and that I will probably send them back a couple of times. Uh, so they, they know from the beginning. <laughs> and yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out, you know. Sometimes they're like, hey, uh, I am uh, this and that and uh, I'm not this is my style and okay too bad (laughs) hot damn yep (laughs) well I I love that you you stick to your guns you get what it needs to be you got to get it right yes that's very admirable and and important and I think a lot of a lot of people think that they can't um, get that they can't get to the sound in their head and so they settle for less than perfect they're not yeah, willing to no, put in the no. time or or whatever into yeah. their songs into the process and you're chasing this thing you're chasing this dragon of perfection of of what you know that it needs to be and i know it's possible 
you know, and, and I know how to get it. And uh, I wouldn't rest until I reach that point, you know, and then when everything is totally finished, then I will send it to the record company and this is it. But uh, anything I'm not happy with, uh, you know, that's why it's so hard. People in interviews often ask me, so, you know, who are you the most proud of? Yeah, everyone. Otherwise, it would not have made the album. Mm. Simple as that. So. Yeah, it's it's a it's a binary. You either they're either gonna do it right or not. It's gonna be to a certain level. You can, you don't go like that, that's it, you can't yeah. even rank them because there's only it's gonna be on there or it's not. That that's it. You know, I mean that's why I made an album called zero one zero one one zero zero one. You know. <laughs> Holy shit! I didn't even think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's totally binary. <laughs> that one has Off my on. favorite Arian song on it too. Um, I think it's my favorite. Which is? Is it called? I can't remember the name of it. It's Comatose, I think. Comatose. Oh, cool. Uh, cool. Wake me up before we go. Hold me close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's yeah, the yeah. one that it gets me every single time right in the... Cool. Oh, oh, chills every single time, even just now thinking about it. Yeah, it's uh, also on Spotify. It's one of the most listened songs. And really? I, I don't get it. I mean, I, I like it too, but I have no idea why that song and another, another song. I, if I knew, I would write songs like that all the time, you know? <laughs> Oh yeah, it all just comes together. The lyrics, the the melody, the um yeah, something about the lyrics is It's not a happy song. It's not a happy song, but it's it has this sort of apocalyptic Oh yes. calm. Like he just wants just wake me up before we die. Like just to, I just want to, you know, experience a little bit of life before we go. Something like that. I don't know. The way Jorn sang it, you know, that was amazing. I still remember I had like 10 times he sang it 10 times and 10 totally different options you know i i was like you won't give me your deepest coverdale that you ha- you can master you know <laughs> i forgot that it was yorn too and he's it the was shit. Yorn, yeah, yeah he's one of yeah, my very yorn favorites oh totally that's yeah. so funny that you <laughs> i didn't even think about that when i said binary uh and of course you literally named it in, in binary fuck that's so funny i think this is a great point to wrap it up i uh, i don't want to take all of your time anyways um i really appreciate you taking the time my pleasure man it was fun this was really great um i've wanted to talk to you for a very long time and this uh this was the perfect format for me and i learned so much as did everyone uh watching right now so um Huge congratulations on the uh, forthcoming release of the album. Like I said, it is out February eighteenth. 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 Yeah. And uh, <laughs> do you have? You got anything you want to say to plug stuff you've got going on, including the album? Anything? Place you want to pe- send people? Uh, not necessary. It's already sold out, man. <laughs> Great. Perfect. <laughs> no, the, I mean the signed copies were sold out within a week. So totally totally perfect great but it's still available everywhere so uh yeah i'd say check out the singles and uh if you like it you know if you don't like it you're crazy if you watch rebel in time and you don't have a great fucking time then uh, that's it then it's all over (laughs) great well enjoy the rest of your day and your week and hopefully i'll uh get to talk to you again uh at some point in the future definitely let's do this again Thanks for listening to this episode of the How Songs Are Made podcast. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform for weekly episodes. And if you're interested in seeing these episodes recorded live, I stream the interviews every Monday at 11 a.m. PST on the Gear Gods YouTube channel. Big thanks to today's sponsor, DistroKid. Head to distrokid.com slash VIPGG for 7% off your first year. 
and I'll see you real soon. <laughs>